Here's what's coming up in this week's episode of Together for Salem. See, we, we called this series a light in the darkness because honestly, there's a lot of darkness around us. There's a lot of darkness in our world. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of polarization. There's hurt that has been caused to innocent people through no fault of their own. Maybe you're one of those. There's loneliness. There's a lot of loss right now. Now, every religion and philosophy offers a reason for this pain, a reason for for the darkness in this world. The biblical writings offer us a reason also for all this darkness. Welcome to episode 39 of Together for Salem. This is Cross Creek Community Church's online content. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Monica. This is Aaron, my husband. Howdy. Welcome to our our home, Church at Home. Uh, We just have a couple things to announce to you before we start on part two of A Light in the Darkness. And the first thing is, if this is your first time watching or you've been watching for a while and you haven't let us know, we have some great opportunities for you on our welcome form free e-gift card just for saying hello, a place to request a free Bible, which we will mail to you. Um, There's also a place to ask questions and get prayer. Mm -hmm. So the welcome form is a great resource for you. It's a great way for you to say hi to us, us to say hi back to you, start a conversation, no strings attached. Um, But we do want to thank you for watching and give you some stuff. Indeed, thank you. Speaking of giving. We are giving away a gift certificate to Noble Wave this week. Well, not you and I. No, we, the church. Right, the church. Cross Creek is. And the winner is. Rebecca M. Rebecca M. Congratulations. You win. So you're going to go get yourself some Noble Wave, which is awesome. Yeah. You yeah. can enter our giveaways on social media. And if any you're not socials on, meets. Any socials meets. If you're not on social media, you can email us to say, hey, put my name in the hat for this week's entry. Because we get it if you're not on social media. Can't really blame you. But we do put out some positive, great, fun things. Yes. The giveaways being one. And this week's giveaway is to Condideri. Considerai is a long-standing mm-hmm. hot spot for desserts. They also have lunches. That's true. But we're going to give away twenty-five dollars to Considerai, and you, any of these times, feel free to spend more than twenty-five dollars. Yes. We want to support local restaurants. Uh, we also want to have some fun. Mm-hmm. God loves to give gifts. So, so do we. So do we. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with that, we'll come on the other side. Yeah, we'll see you again. With some, a couple other announcements, but now we're going to pass it off to the Ludal Siota family, and they're going to read this week's passage that John's going to be teaching out of. So here's to you guys. Take it away. Hello, we're the Ludal Sayota family and my name's Mark and my favorite Christmas tradition is um, going out to Kaiser and looking at the Kaiser lights out there. There's a neighborhood who usually lights up their whole neighborhood and we've been doing it ever since I was a little kid and once the boys were little we started doing it and it's just We get hot chocolate and it's amazing and we have a fun time doing it. But that's my favorite tradition. I like the penguin ornament right there. You do. Do you like putting all the ornaments on? Mm. You have the whole Avengers on the tree? Do you like the Packers or the Niners? (laughs) Niners! Oh, boo. My favorite 
Christmas tradition is probably finding the elf on the shelf. Um, Connor, my favorite tradition on the holidays is getting to see all my sides of the family. I have my stepdad's side of the family, and we get to see his massive Ludol family. And then we have my mom's side of the family that we get to see. And then I get to go spend time with my dad as well, and that's usually on Christmas Eve. And I'm Susan, and I think my favorite is our Christmas mornings, getting together, opening gifts, and just time slows down on those mornings. We, um, we all love Christmas, so I think we have a lot of great traditions. Sweet. So Colton is going to read from Matthew, okay? This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a, in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Yay! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas. <laughs> As we get into what we're going to talk about in a minute, I kind of want to warn you, things are going to get heavy and it's going to happen fast. I'm, I'm, I want you to stick around though. The reason I'm warning you is because I want you to stick around because I think this episode, this teaching might be one of the most important Together for Salem episodes that we've done. See, we, we called this series a light in the darkness because honestly, there's a lot of darkness around us. There's a lot of darkness in our world. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of polarization. There's hurt that has been caused to innocent people through no fault of their own. Maybe you're one of those. There's loneliness. There's a lot of loss right now. Now, every religion and philosophy offers a reason for this pain, a reason for, for the darkness in this world. But the biblical writings, and this is what I was warning you about, the biblical writings offer us a reason also for all this darkness. And it's this fun religious word, sin. Don't change the channel yet. See, biblical writings say the root of all this darkness is sin. And, and when we talk about sin, we're talking about what we say is uh, breaking the law of love. Jesus was asked God's top two laws. And he said, love the Lord your God with everything you are and love your neighbor as yourself. And we've all broken that. And breaking that law of love is what the biblical writings call sin. It's saying, what I want is more important than you. Maybe you've experienced somebody doing that to you. What they wanted, their preferred uh, world that they're living in was more important than you. How they wanted their life to go was more important than you. They put their wants, their desires, their preferences over God and over others. Maybe, maybe all of, over you. We've all experienced that, right? See, we usually think the darkness in the world is caused by others being too focused on their own world. Think about your spouse, or when you were growing up, siblings, or if you are still at home, your siblings now. They, uh, this darkness seems to be caused by others being too focused on their own 
world, on their own wants, on their own preferences. Right? Because you don't do that. I mean, yeah, you make mistakes, but you don't like purposely choose what you want over others. You, you would never do that. Well, this message, or at least the beginning of what we're going to talk about, see me as kind of like your chiropractor or, or your masseuse, the, the good ones who are like really there to do therapy. Because what we need to do right now is, I think, get deep and kind of cause a little bit of, of pain so that we can heal, so that we can, we can get better. See, the biblical writings don't just say that sin is things other people do. and doesn't just say it's, it's things that we do. It actually, they talk about sin being who we are. They talk about this idea that we are born into the kingdom of sin. Like you are a natural born citizen of sin country. You have the passport, your driver's license says citizen of sin country. It's just who we are. You are a sinner. It's just you. That's what you do. Natural born citizen of of the kingdom of sin. Like, think about your kids, my kids. I didn't have to teach them how to sin. Liz did enough of that. But they were just born sinning. It's what they, it's what they do. I didn't have to teach them how to lie and how to be selfish. They are already that way. And that's how we all are. We are natural born sinners. And so the question always when we talk about sin and hurting others is what do we do? What do we do about it? How do we fix it? And that's where other, that's where religion often comes in, right? How do we solve the problem of the darkness in our world? How do we solve the problem of human suffering? Most religions, most philosophies, whether religious philosophy or social philosophy or even political philosophy, says, hey, you know, we need the good to outweigh the bad. It's this scale idea or the seesaw idea of the good things need to outweigh the bad things so that more, there's more good in the world and therefore less sin or, or darkness, whatever word they use. But think about it. How many good things do we need to do to undo the hurt we've caused in the past? Like, is there an, an amount of good things to do to make up for purposely hurting somebody? Is there an amount of money, like a certain dollar amount that we can pay to make up for destroying a relationship? See, we can't. That doesn't make sense. We can't undo the past. And so if we're truly honest with ourselves, if we're truly honest, we have to admit the darkness in the world is the result of the sin in us. There, the reason there's darkness in the world is because there is sin in us. And we're going to just twist the knife just a little, a little bit more. Because we all know, if there is a God, God hates sin, right? If we know anything about God, it's that he hates sin. But why? Why does God hate sin? Because he just, he loves to be in charge and doesn't want us to have any fun. And he, he's, his little holy smiter is getting rusty and he wants to use it a little bit more and smack some people down. No. See, God hates sin because he loves you and sin hurts you. God hates sin because he loves you and sin hurts you. How does sin hurt you? Well, think about it. The ultimate result of sin, of, of living only for ourselves, of selfishness, of pride, of all of those things, the ultimate result, if we really drill down, is death. 
Why? Because sin separates. And if you think about death, death is a separation. Physically, when, when our spirit or our soul is separated from our body, we are physically dead. But there's another type of death too, a spiritual death. When we are separated from God spiritually, we are spiritually dead. When we are separated from others, we are relationally dead. The result of sin is death. Sin causes all of those deaths. And so God hates sin because sin creates death in relationships, our relationships with each other, with God, even with ourselves. So then the obvious question is, well, then why, God, why doesn't God just do something about it? Why doesn't God just end sin? Why, why let this keep going? Well, who's causing all this sin? You are, you dirty sinner. But so am I. We all are. We all are the source of of sin. And so to end sin, God would have to end the cause. To end sin, God would have to end us. He'd have to end humanity because we're all born into the kingdom of sin, natural born citizens. So we've got this problem. There's sin. We want to get rid of it, but to get rid of it, we've got to get rid of ourselves. What do we do? We're stuck. Not so fast. See, there's, there's another way. In fact, that's what Christmas is all about. What we're going to talk about today is Christmas is God's answer to the overwhelming darkness of sin. Christmas actually is God's answer to the sin problem, to the overwhelming darkness of sin that we see in us that affects the world around us. And so Matthew talked about that. Matthew was one of Jesus' 12 main followers. And he wrote an eyewitness account of Jesus' life. And he actually knew Jesus' mom, Mary. He knew Jesus' little brother, James. And so in his eyewitness account, when he's retelling what he was told about the first Christmas, about Jesus' birth, he kind of frames it in light of this sin problem. He frames it as God's response to the darkness of sin in our world. And so as we looked at last episode, uh, we looked at Joseph and him being Jesus's stepdad, I guess, that uh, Mary, Jesus' mom, was pregnant, but they weren't married yet. And so he's in the culture of the time, he needed to divorce her. And so he was going to do that, to, to be a, a good man in that society. But then, and this is where the story picks up, as he, Joseph, considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Stop there. Because for a lot of us, this whole angel appearing thing, that's really hard to swallow. And I, I totally understand. I've never seen an angel. I, I don't know what they look like. The only reason I believe there are angels is because Jesus believed there are angels. And since he predicted his death and resurrection and pulled it off, I'm going to believe him. So if angels are hard to swallow, that's okay. So we could say, well, okay, so Joseph was hallucinating that he saw an angel. Well, no. See, in, in the ancient Middle Eastern culture, and even today, really, Dreams were very important in that culture. They, they still are. And so the idea of dreams carried a lot of weight. And so God uses that culture, that idea of dreams, to communicate this truth to Joseph. And so as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of, son of David, the angel said. Again, see, often we think of Joseph, he only really appears here in the very beginning of Jesus' story. And we see him as this kind of unknown carpenter, which he probably was. But ancient Jews, just like most of the ancient world, were very big on genealogies. 
In fact, if you start Matthew's eyewitness account, it talks about Jesus' genealogy through Joseph. And Joseph could trace his lineage back to one of the greatest kings in Israel's history, King David, like David and Goliath, King David, this ideal king of ancient Israel, through whom God had promised to bring a king who would be king for eternity who would be the one that would be the solution to the sin problem. So the angel saying, Joseph, son of David, carries all of that weight with it. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, which in Hebrew was probably more like Yeshua or Joshua, which means the Lord saves. And she will have a son, you name him Jesus, for, and here's the point, here's the big deal, here's where God has led all of human history, for he will save his people from their sins. He, you will call him Jesus, the Lord saves, for he will save his people from their sins. Which, as any good Jewish young man would do, he probably took him back to his synagogue school, right? And what David had written here in, in the Psalms, he's, where he wrote, O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is unfailing love. His redemption overflows. He himself will redeem Israel from every kind of sin. And so the angel is saying, hey, this baby is going to save Israel, save his people from their sin. He's like, okay, well, that, I thought that was what God was going to do. And then maybe he would remember what the prophet Isaiah had said a few hundred years earlier. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. So what that angel is saying by saying, Joseph, son of David, the baby your fiance is pregnant with is the one who will save his people from their sins. That's huge. Not only is he the promised king, but according to Isaiah, he's like God in a body in some way. And the angel is saying, Jesus is that child, that promised child that's going to save his people from their sins. But how? You ever think about that? How? How does Jesus, even if he is God, and I believe he is, there's, we can talk about that later. How does Jesus being born save us from our sin. And we sing about it in our Christmas carols and we talk about it at Christmas time that this baby was born to save us and that type of thing. But how? How does a baby being born do that? Like, yeah, if, you know, Jesus was a good teacher. He taught us to live better. He taught us how to love, how to make choices that, you know, to, that would help us avoid bad things. Right? Is that it? No. It's so much better than that. See, what the angel was saying was that this baby would grow and would give us the only thing we need to remove sin. The only thing that can remove sin and remove that darkness. Forgiveness. See, the only solution to the darkness of sin is forgiveness. We can't do anything to get rid of sin. We can only have it forgiven. See, the separation sin creates that we talked about earlier it also is a debt. See, the hurt we've caused to others, the hurt we're going to cause to others, it doesn't go unnoticed. 
See, there's a God who watches and, and is with us and knows what's happening. And he is a God of justice. And sin deserves justice. When somebody hurts someone else intentionally, a good king brings justice. We all want real justice in our society, right? Well, what just penalty, what fair penalty would there be for all the hurt, for maybe for all the evil, for all the pain we've caused others, for all the pain we see other people causing to others? Well, it's allowing sin to follow its natural path. Death, both physical and spiritual death, separation between ourselves and others, separation from God spiritually for eternity. Actual death, that would be the penalty for all the hurt we've caused. It separates us. But instead of us having to pay that penalty of death, God himself came and took that penalty for us. That's the story of Christmas. That's the story of Jesus, God in a body, coming for God to come and take that penalty for us when he died on the cross. He took the punishment of death for us. But he did even more than just take our punishment. He conquered the power of sin. He conquered the kingdom of sin. He conquered the ultimate result of sin, death, by raising himself from the dead, showing that he had the power even over death, even over the consequences, the, the power of sin. In fact, the Apostle Paul talked about it when he wrote to uh, the church in Rome. He said, for the wages of sin, the result of sin, what you earn from all that sin that we have, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God, the thing we didn't earn, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. See, God wants to give us life. He doesn't want to squash us down and not let us do what we want to do and just make sure we follow the little rules and hate life. No, he wants to give us life. Life that starts now and lasts forever. See, this is what, is, this is what, it's, what it means by Jesus bringing light into the world. He is the light and the life of all humanity. See, Jesus didn't just save the world from our sins. He didn't just save us from the bad things we do. He didn't just save the world from our sins but also from the power of sin. He destroyed the power of sin in our lives, the power that sin has to destroy our lives, to, to kill our relationships, to, to separate us from each other and from God. And he made a way to restore us, to remove that separation. In fact, this is what Jesus said himself. Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, comes, no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is the solution to the darkness of sin. It's so simple that we miss it. Like the actual solution, how we actually close that gap, that remove the separation between God and us is so simple that a lot of times we miss it. Because the answer really is just what we call trust. Or maybe you've heard the religious words of belief or, or faith. But it's basically trusting that Jesus is the way to God. Trusting that, that Jesus' payment by dying on the cross paid our debt, paid our penalty once and for all, for all the pain, all the sin that we've created. See, every religion, every philosophy, every belief system 
offers something to solve this sin problem. Offers like, you know, go light this candle, pay this penance, uh, chant this prayer, um, do these good deeds. Every belief system has a way to make up for our sin, has a solution. Jesus is the only one who offered himself as the solution to sin. Think about that. Everyone else says, go do this. You need to do this. You need to do that. Jesus said, you can't do that. It doesn't make sense. I am the way to be forgiven of that darkness, of that sin. Every other belief system says, you're bad, right? You do bad things. You need to make up for it. So try harder. And if you, if, some say, if you didn't do it in this life, try again in the next life. But keep trying harder to be a better person. You know what the result of that is? It's ongoing guilt, ongoing fear, because you never know if your good outweighs your bad. You just don't know. It's, it's exhausting because you're just trying so hard to, to not step out of line and just send out good vibes and, and you feel guilty for, for the bad things that you've done and the, the pain you've caused in the world with no way really to relieve that pain, to relieve that guilt. But Jesus said, look, you are a captive in the kingdom of sin. You were born a slave to sin, the biblical writings say. Jesus says, I came to set you free. That's the whole point of Christmas. I came, I invaded the world of darkness to bring light. I came to set you free. So you can now choose to walk out of that kingdom and choose to follow me to a full life. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we walk into that full life? Well, the first thing we have to do is you have to admit you are a sinner. Don't just dismiss it. Don't just be like, oh yeah, you know, I'd make mistakes. I'd do some bad things. No, we, we need to at some point in our life, look the truth square in the face and realize we're sinners. It's just who we are. There are good things we want to do that we don't do. There are things that hurt others that we don't want to do that we keep on doing. What is that? That is being a citizen of the kingdom of sin. So we need the courage and we need the humility to fight through the denial, maybe to fight through the anger of someone calling you a sinner to your face. So we need to accept, yeah, we're a sinner. And then, or admit that we're a sinner, and then accept God's forgiveness and new life. Admit we're a sinner and then accept God's forgiveness and his new life. A lot of times when we talk about this, a lot of people say, well, that's just too good to be true. Like all the things I've done, all I have to do is trust Jesus and and they're forgiven. Think about it. If God loves us enough to die for us, to go through all of that for us, why would he make it difficult to accept it? Why would he make it difficult? Why would he make us have to earn it after he already did everything for us to get it? See, he already did the hard part. We don't have to do anything. It's already been done. All that's left for us to do is to trust his love and forgiveness to make us new, to to. to remove the penalty, to remove the, the effects of sin. So if there's never been a time in your life that you've admitted to God that you are a sinner. Never been a time in your life where you told God, yes, I, you're right. I have sinned. I have hurt others on purpose. I've broken the law of love. And you've never said, you've never asked, you've never accepted his forgiveness, never asked him for his new life. I invite you to do that today. Maybe even even right now, you can pause this and tell God that. You can tell him, yes, I'm a sinner. You're right. I admit that I've sinned. I don't just make mistakes. I have have 
caused pain to others on purpose. I admit that. I admit that there's nothing good I can do to undo that hurt I've caused. Forgive me. Thank you for coming and dying for me. I accept your forgiveness and I accept your new life. It's that simple. There's no magic chant. You just tell him that. And if that's something you just did, or if that's something that maybe you do after you think about it a little bit, let us know. Reach out to us. You can email us at info at yourcrosscreek.com. We want to show you what this life really is, how to grow in knowing God more. So reach out to us. Let us know that that was you. We want to help you get started on this journey you just began. And when you do that, or if you've done that a long time ago, this has been your life, you call yourself a Christian. The third thing we can do with all of this is follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. See, when we accept his forgiveness and receive the new life that he promises us, he gives us his spirit to guide us. Often we call it a conscience, but if you're a Jesus follower, that's the Holy Spirit guiding you. He gives us his Holy Spirit to guide us and empower us to overcome sin. See, the power of sin's been destroyed, and he gives us the empowerment to overcome sin. And it starts with a a religious word that we call repentance, which really just means it's a choice to turn away from our sin. Because now if you follow Jesus, he's, he's destroyed the power of sin in you. You have the ability to turn away from sin and toward another fun word, obedience, which just means following Jesus, which just means following the law of love. What does love look like? And it leads to transformation. It makes us a new person. See, following Jesus is a choice we make Obedience is a choice we make out of gratitude to a loving Father, and then we accomplish it, not through trying really hard, but through the empowerment of His power that He gives us. See, it's not just Christianity, following Jesus isn't just trying harder, it's trusting more. And the more you trust, the more you learn to trust even more, and it transforms you. See, this choice to accept Jesus' forgiveness is a commitment to a life of transformation and purpose. When we're transformed by following Jesus, we're actually given a life of purpose. The angel told told Joseph that Jesus came to save his people from their sins. If you follow Jesus, if you trust Jesus, if you accept his forgiveness, you are his people. There's nothing else you have to do. There's no way you can lose it. You are his people. If you are a Jesus follower, I have to ask you this, who is your king? If you are a Jesus follower, what kingdom are you actually living for? There's only one king and one kingdom that will actually give you a life of purpose. And when we follow Jesus, we have a new life to live and we have a new role to play. We are given a new life on purpose for a purpose. We're gonna talk more about that next week. But yeah, this world is dark. And it's not always fun to look at it. It's not always fun to talk about it. It's not always fun to look at the darkness that we've caused and maybe are causing. Because despite our best efforts, we've made this dark world even darker. But the light of life, Jesus, has come and he's brought peace and he's brought joy and he's brought true life. Because of him, we are known, we are loved, and we are forgiven. 
and all of us are invited to have a life of eternal importance and eternal purpose. The only solution to the darkness in our world is the light of Jesus's forgiveness. So accept the light, walk in the light, and follow Jesus. couple things we want you to know about on this side of the episode. Uh, one, that we are helping with a glove drive with Church at the Park. Mm-hmm. So you can see our online information there about how you can contribute to that. And two... And two, alternate number two, it's our Christmas drive-in party. <laughs> or drive-in Christmas party, I think it's called. But we're super excited. Every year we like to throw a big Christmas bash, give away lots of stuff, raffle items. Uh, to local restaurants and things. We're still gonna do it this year. We're gonna do it a little bit different though. It's gonna be in our cars, um, but you'll still be able to hear the music, you'll be able to hear the message, you'll be able to see people's um, smiling eyes behind their masks as they give your car treats and presents and gifts. So please secure your spot, RSVP online, uh, for your spot at the drive-in Christmas party. It's gonna be on December 19th. Yes, At 2 p.m. That's right, it's on a Saturday at two. Very soon. Yeah, so we hope you can join us. Uh, but if you have questions, check out that URL mm-hmm. and yeah, we'll answer them. That's right. That's pretty much it. Yep. If you would like to donate to Cross Creek, there's a link in the show notes for that. We always appreciate your gifts and donations to help keep a good thing going. It helps pay for these gift cards and, and other various things. Uh, there's also kids content. So if you've mm-hmm. got kids and you want to remind them of the meaning of Christmas, we've got content for you online. Be sure to check that out. Mm-hmm. It's a great resource. We have actually uh, videos from toddlers all the way up through middle school. So check out that website or that link page on our yeah. website. And then the last thing is if you've got questions or prayer requests, please send them to us. We'd love to be able to pray for you. If you have needs, let us know. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. Thank you for joining us. If you have questions, you can look at these questions too. <laughs> That's right. Here are some questions too. Some questions to talk about. Questions to talk about, to think about, mm. and to talk about, and to think about. And to listen. And to listen to. Mm. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.